Do you remember what you were up to 10 years ago? There is every chance you might have tuned in to watch Ryan Tuberty present his first Late Late. You might even remember shedding a tear as Thierry Henry denied us a place in the World Cup finals. And you may recall getting your first smartphone. The devices were a popular Christmas present in Ireland back in 2009. It all makes you think, what can be achieved in the next 10 years? Welcome to Ireland 2029, shaping our future. A lot can happen in a country in 10 years. That's why we've partnered with Volkswagen to look at 10 big ideas that could shape Ireland's future for the better. In each episode, we've been talking to someone about a big, bold idea to find out whether it's practical, possible, or even advisable. Previously on this podcast, we've discussed whether an iconic high-rise skyline would be a good thing for Dublin, and issues like introducing a four-day working week. This episode might be a bit more controversial. It's all about bringing back wolves. That sound, the sound of a wolf's howl, was once common in Ireland, but the animal was hunted to extinction in the 16 and 1700s. Bounties were placed on the animal's heads and landowners were required to carry out regular hunts. The last native wolf, it's believed, died around 250 years ago, possibly at Mount Leinster on the Carlow-Wexford border. Now, there is every possibility that until a few moments ago you weren't even aware there was a debate about bringing them back. But that debate has been gathering some pace in wildlife circles in recent years and it was even raised this summer in a dollar question. Wolves have been reintroduced successfully in Yellowstone in the US and backers of the idea say that bringing back a top predator can have a massive effect on an ecosystem, essentially restoring the natural order and a sense of balance. In Ireland, Porrick Fogarty, he's the campaign officer with the Irish Wildlife Trust, is probably the chief proponent of this idea. He's the first person we spoke to as we examined it and we asked him to give us his one-minute pitch on why we should consider bringing back the wolf. The number one benefit of bringing wolves back to Ireland is restoring our connection with wild nature. More than anything else, that's something that we have completely lost in the last decades because so much of nature in Ireland has vanished. The wolf, more than anything else, represents wild nature. We know from our history and our heritage that the wolf belongs here and we can bring the wolf back if we want to. It's the only barrier to that happening is whether we will allow that to happen or not. And if we do allow that to happen, we could see wild nature return to Ireland alongside uh, thriving communities in cities and towns everywhere. And I think that would be an enormously beneficial thing to see. Joining me now to discuss the issue before getting into the debate further with Paul Rick and our other contributors is the Journal.A's Orla Ryan, the series producer of this podcast. And Orla, we better address the large mammal in the room here before we go much further. Uh, this idea is clearly going to strike some people as a bit odd. Uh, and I can certainly understand that. Uh, before we began this podcast series, the Ireland 2029 series, you tweeted out uh, the list of the episodes and the various big, bold ideas uh, that we'd be discussing. Could you sum up the tone of the response to, to this topic in particular? Yeah, when we launched the podcast a few weeks ago, we flagged some of the topics that we were going to be exploring. And this was the topic by far that got the biggest reaction. 
If you think of ways that we could improve Ireland in the next 10 years, things like better transport, reducing plastic waste, tackling the housing crisis would spring to mind for most people. So when people heard that the topic would be included in the series, they were a bit surprised. Some people were tweeting us wondering what the hell we were on about, while others seemed interested in setting up wolf lobby groups. I don't think anyone has followed through on that, though. Uh, Not yet, anyway. I don't know what sort of license you'd need for that. No, I must look into it myself, actually. Um, To say the least, people were intrigued. And the obvious question that will occur to most people is, is this not incredibly dangerous? Surely the wolves would kill livestock and could even pose a risk to people. Yeah, well, wolves have been getting a bad rap for for thousands of years at this stage from myth and Irish folklore um, up to horror films and and even one of the better uh, Liam Neeson fights things uh, films of recent years. Uh, But the evidence that they're godless killing machines that kill systematically or even somehow for pleasure, uh, that doesn't really stack up. Campaigners who support their reintroduction argue that wolves are no more dangerous than any other large animal like the the native red deer that you might find uh, in Kerry. Uh, But there is no doubt that there is a history of wolf attacks on humans going up to the present day. And Dr. Kieran Hickey, uh, in his book, Wolves in Ireland, says that uh, the attacks are relatively rare, with the exception of attacks by rabbit animals, which, of course, wouldn't happen here. Uh, Proponents of the reintroduction, as you might imagine, would rather uh, accentuate the positive. I would imagine. So who have you been talking to to explore the subject? Well, a bit later on, one of the people we'll be hearing from is a writer and wildlife advocate based at Yellowstone who'll tell us a bit more about the recovery of wolves in the US. First, though, let's hear more from Porrick Fogarty of the Irish Wildlife Trust. We heard his one-minute pitch already. Here, we teased the proposal out a bit more and we examined some of the likely obstacles. So one of the big uh, uh, movements in conservation at the moment is to restore natural ecosystems. And within natural ecosystems, predators play a, a really vital role. So you could imagine if you just had deer, perhaps in some, like we do in some areas of Ireland, and the deer keep breeding and there's nothing to control the deer, uh, the deer will eat everything and destroy everything. The predators kind of sit on top of that and they keep check of the deer uh, and that allows the whole ecosystem to flourish. Now, they're not the only important thing, but they are the most important thing probably in an ecosystem. So if we want to restore ecosystems in Ireland, and if we're serious about that, we have to be talking about big predators like wolves. Okay, so if this was going to happen, if we were seriously considering it, do we have enough space? Is there anywhere in the country that would be considered as as the prime location for a pilot programme? It's important to realise, I suppose, with someone like wolves, wolves are essentially dogs. They're very, very adaptable creatures. Um, And the experience in Europe is that they don't need um, wilderness areas. They don't, you know, they're capable of crossing motorways. Uh, They're pretty able to survive in any number of circumstances. So the issues we're facing here are not necessarily ecological or scientific. They're more about our own perceptions and our own attitudes. And I think more than anything, the wolf forces us to look nature right between the eyes. I mean, most of human history is about subduing nature and controlling nature. And we've become so good at that, that we're actually destroying the entire planet. So getting around the issue of wolves is about recognising our place in nature and in natural systems and learning to live with the things around us. I mean, one of the criticisms about uh, bringing wolves back is that people will say, we can't live with badgers. I mean, we, we exterminate badgers. We don't like living with deer. We basically 
don't like living with anything that's a nuisance. I mean, in Dublin, there are constantly pe- people calling to shoot the seagulls because they steal chips. I mean, that's how low our level of tolerance is. Anything that's a nuisance has to be dealt with, with guns and traps. So uh, to me, we can argue about tolerating uh, things like seagulls or foxes, but really we need urgently to learn how to live with planet Earth. And the wolf, in our part of the world at least, more than anything else, symbolises that. Now, Porrick, as we've heard, is 100% behind this idea. He sees the presence of wolves as essential to restoring the balance of the environment. He's not quite a lone voice in the wilderness. There are plenty who agree with him, or at least are willing to entertain the notion of bringing back wolves. If this was, however, even to be considered, surely there'd need to be an intensive process of consultation, along with extensive national debate. I was curious to know, as we'd likely see ardent opposition to this idea, how does he propose to win people over to his point of view? The first thing we have to do is uh, have a general education programme in Ireland about the true state of the natural environment in Ireland, the state of nature, and why that matters. The second thing is to do with our ethics and, you know, how do we ethically respond to problems with nature? Are we going to just get a rifle every time there's a nuisance? Or are we going to say, no, actually, nature has a right to exist and we have a duty to be considered in our responses. We're not going to eliminate conflicts. There's always going to be conflicts between people and the natural world. But it's how we respond to those conflicts that is going to be really important. Now, when we start having that conversation, then we'll start thinking about things that, well, how are we going to uh, restore the bogs? How are we going to bring back big areas of woodland to Ireland? How are we going to bring the fish back to our seas? Those are the kind of conversations we're going to have. And when we start having those conversations and we're realistic about it, we have to start talking about bringing predators back for the reason I explained at the beginning, because you can't have a natural ecosystem that works without big predators. And wolves are very, very effective. Uh, In terms of ethics, is there an ethical question too about the wolves that would be candidates for a reintroduction because you know we, we can't we can't just take them from from dublin zoo uh we haven't had wolves here since the late 1700s they'd need to come from elsewhere in europe and there would be an effect on the wolf packs in those areas is it fair to take a wolf up from i don't know romania or france or germany and plonk it down in donegal well, I mean, I think those conversations have already been had. I mean, we have introduced big carnivores to Ireland before. We brought golden eagles back. Uh, we reintroduced them from Scotland. We brought eagles into uh, Kerry from Norway. So usually what they do, these are very well thought out programs. They're very carefully designed so that they're not negatively impacting on the native populations. For instance, with the eagles uh, from Norway, they only took eggs from nests where there was already uh, one egg. So there wasn't going to be any impact to the eagle population. I mean, there are quite a lot of wolves in Eastern Europe and places like Spain. Uh, the big pressure on wolves in Europe is people shooting them. Um, so I really don't think that would be an issue. Again, it, it comes back to the point, there's no technical barrier to doing this. We have the land, we have the things for the, bear, the wolves to eat. Uh, the barriers really are in our own psychology. So, is there anywhere else we can look for an example of how this has worked successfully? We mentioned Yellowstone earlier. Wolves were reintroduced there back in 1995, but by no means as part of an overnight process, and again, not without controversy. 
there was a high level of animosity to the idea, and that's in spite of the fact that the vast, sprawling national park was already home to grizzly bears. To find out more about the project to return wolves to Yellowstone, I spoke to wildlife writer and advocate Rick Lamplew. Rick has been immersed in the cycles of nature at Yellowstone for years and lives just outside its north gate in Montana. A few years ago, he even spent three winters living and working in a remote corner of the park in an area home to what's described as some of the best wolf watching in the world. Going back just a little bit for the history of this, um, 1926, the last wolf was killed in Yellowstone National Park. In 1944, just uh, you know, 18 years later, um, a noted wildlife biologist, Aldo Leopold, um, wrote that wolves could be reintroduced into larger national parks, including Yellowstone. So that's 1944. Nothing happened. And by 1966, Yellowstone officials became concerned with high elk numbers. With no wolves and few other predators, the elk population swelled and began damaging the landscape, especially willow, aspen, and cottonwoods. And then in 73, the Fish and Wildlife Service listed the wolf as endangered and designated Yellowstone as one of those three recovery areas. So there was um, the Fish and Wildlife Service put together a plan in 1987 on here's how we're going to reintroduce wolves. Um, but then they had to do what's called an environmental impact statement. And they had to seek public comment and hold meetings, which they did throughout the Intermountain West. Think about the, the towns and cities in the mountains in the West. And by the time that public comment period ended, they had received more comments than for any other similar document in, Amer- in American history. And most comments favored reintroduction. Uh, but there were many people who opposed the reintroduction of wolves, which the reintroduction finally happened in 1995 and 96. And again, in 97, there was 10 pups translocated from northern Montana to Yellowstone. But here's the thing. Uh, that opposition can be deadly. And I, I, I wonder how this may uh, occur in Ireland as well. You know, I know we have really different uh, cultural values in terms of guns, for example. Um, but in Canada, when the wolves were in, the wolves were captured in Canada before they were, they were uh, transported to Yellowstone. But in Canada and on the way to Yellowstone and once within the park, the wolves were guarded by nearby armed officers 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And while the in Yellowstone, the wolves were penned for 10 weeks before they were released. And while they were penned, they were fed roadkill. And the NPS, the Park Service, didn't talk much about this because they were afraid that someone would lace the roadkill with poison. That gives you an idea of what the temperament was. And then after the reintroduction, when the wolves were in the park and coming out of the park, uh, some folks in northwest Wyoming tried to kill wolves by lacing meat with powerful poisons. And there were websites that sprouted up that gave viewers information on how to kill wolves. And within 10 years, at least 30 wolves had been poached in the Yellowstone area. Well, Rick went on to tell me that though the animosity has died down in the intervening years, it's still there, albeit at a lower level. Many of the towns and villages on the outskirts of the park, however, rely on tourism generated by Yellowstone. It's become clear over time that wolves are a massive draw, and the influx of tourists flocking to see them has helped change a few minds about the idea 
since the 1990s. Of course, tourism is not the only benefit. Earlier on, we touched briefly on the kind of trickle-down impact the return of a top predator can have on an environment. And Rick, as you may have imagined, is well across this. There's an evocative-sounding name for this phenomenon, too. Let's hear Rick explain it. I'm going to tell you about a theory called the Trophic Cascade Theory. And essentially, it goes like this. In the years between the death of that last wolf in 1926 and the reintroduction of the first wolf in 1995, Yellowstone's elk got lazy. You know, with the wolves gone, they could browse wherever they wanted and for as long as they pleased. And so cottonwoods, willows, and aspens suffered. Now that the wolves are back, the theory goes, those plants should recover. I've uh, been connected with two scientists from Oregon State University, Bill Ripple and Bob Bestia, and they're big promoters of the trophic cascade theory. And in 2003, so that would be uh, eight years after the reintroduction, Ripple and Bestia studied the trees along Yellowstone's Lamar River. That's the river that runs right through the valley where many, many wolves live and many elk live. And what they found were a lot of tall cottonwoods more than 70 years old. So those 70-year-old trees would have been seedlings just around the time that the wolves were killed off. They also found thousands of little tiny cottonwood seedlings that had grown in the few years since the wolves returned, but they didn't find anything in between. And there should have been hundreds of young trees in between those little seedlings and those big, mature uh, cottonwoods. So what they concluded was, with no wolves in the park, the elk dined every year on tender new seedlings, and this eventually stopped the cycle of those seedlings growing into young trees, which would, of course, mature and replace dying old trees. But now, since the return of wolves, seedlings are again growing into young trees. So this that's the theory of the trophic cascade, and it, it predicts that the benefits of wolf reintroduction don't stop with healthier stands of cottonwood, willows, and aspen, but those benefits cascade deeper into the ecosystem. So where willows are now more abundant, for example, the population of beavers that feed on willows has increased. And where there's more beavers building more dams, the streams overflow their banks. And that changing waterscape benefits fish and songbirds and insects and other plants and animals. And, um, you know, I've discussed this trophic cascade theory with guides and scientists who pass through Yellowstone, and some of them roll their eyes and just say it's, oh, it's too simple of a theory for a complex ecosystem. And some people believe that climate change or fire is more of a factor than wolf reintroduction. For me, the, the theory makes sense. Uh, I believe it. Well, after listening to Rick there, while you still may not be entirely on board with bringing the wolf back to Ireland, I imagine you'll agree that we could sit and listen to him talk all day. Elsewhere in our conversation, Rick spelled out the differences in scale between Yellowstone and our, by comparison, infinitesimal areas of wilderness here. The simplest way to explain it is that the Republic of Ireland is a mere eight times larger than the entirety of Yellowstone, which, at almost 9,000 square kilometres, sprawls across three US states. We have six national parks here, and they're all obviously much, much smaller. But 
When it comes to discussing where any initial wolf population could live, Glenvey National Park in Donegal is mooted as the best possible location in terms of expansive wilderness and population density. Dan Latisse is a Cork-based wildlife photographer who has written about wolf reintroduction in the past and has examined this issue in more detail. I spoke to him about what would be needed in terms of containing any wolf population here, what sort of resources might be required and, ultimately, how much it would all cost. For reintroduction, you would likely have more than one pack, in, obviously in more than one area. They would breed, they breed quickly. Wolves are dispersed from their own pack and they move outside areas so that would that would happen very quickly that they would come into come into contact with humans and come into contact with livestock wolves would generally be collared um so you have the cost of the collars you would have monitoring of the collared wolves with through telemetry um so that would be on the ground and yeah you would likely need helicopters to locate the animals um could we put a figure on how much it would all cost do you reckon it would likely i would imagine be in the hundreds of thousands, I would imagine, or more. It depends on how many wolves you have, how many people you dedicate to it. But when you talk about costs, I mean, at the moment, you look at the budget for the National Parks and Wildlife Service, uh, like recently, its budget for a full year was 11 million. And I mean, that has to go between all the rangers in the country, has to go all the national parks. I mean, we really need to, that would be a decision government would have to buy in. It would cost a lot of money. So it's going to cost a lot and I imagine there are more than a few listeners to this podcast, even plenty who want more done about climate issues, who might think that that's money better spent elsewhere. Orla Ryan is back with us here now and Orla, having listened to what Porik and Rick and Dan have to say there, are you leaning towards welcoming wolves back into the country with open arms and and even if not, does the idea at least strike you as a, a bit less odd? Having listened to the interviews, while I'm not sure it's something I agree with or think will happen in the next few years, it's definitely not as left field as people may imagine. I think it's something the country should at least look into further. However, there would likely be fierce opposition from farmers and others if reintroducing wolves was ever proposed here. Yeah, and that is indeed where the whole thing would likely come crashing down. Uh, We should be clear here too that we're not attempting to present a balanced debate on this. It's such a fresh idea, I imagine, to most people that we thought it made most sense to look at what the benefits are, the costs, the practicalities. And if this does gain traction as a real possibility in years to come, we'll hear plenty of sincerely held concerns from people opposed to it at that point. And I'd imagine Joe Duffy will have a busy couple of days. On that note, though, we will, of course, be firing up the Journal.ie's great 2029 forecasting machine before we sign off from this podcast, Orla. Uh, Can you remind us how that works again? Yeah, basically, we take all of the ideas and commentary that we've heard and Mm -hmm. we throw it into the top of the machine. Right. We hit the big red button on the side and it handily prints out a verdict for us. That's fantastic, which saves us a lot of work and research. Don't even need to think. It tells us. Uh, or I, I believe that the machine is being wheeled up outside the studio door. If you're going you're gonna to wheel it in. I am. I'm putting on my safety goggles as we speak. So as Orla goes and does that, we've one more person to hear from in the meantime. Dr. Simone Cooty of UCD is currently overseeing the programme of deer tagging and monitoring at the Phoenix Park. That's where I spoke to him. And he has also, it turned out, spent some time in the Alps in northern Italy in an area where there was a project to reintroduce brown bears. And Simone says that before bringing back wolves can even be considered here, there are some important details to sort out first. Like, for instance, figuring out a proper system to count our deer population. The most important thing is that 
people attitude against uh, large carnivores have to change. Farmers and foresters have to uh, understand the real f- uh, potential positive effect of uh, wolf presence on, um, on um, predator prey introductions and traffic cascade. What we could do now, because we know that probably we cannot introduce the wolf now, but discuss, we can discuss about that and uh, try to collect empirical data about the presence of deer wildlife. We I mean, set the scene for a potential future reintroduction. So, and, but it's a, it's a day by day, year by year work where people can, uh, people attitude can change and then maybe it's going to be ready. Just in my experience from the Alps and the reintroduction of brown bear, they spend years and years to prepare people with a lot of uh, public events to, re- to reduce the conflict, then they reintroduced uh, the bear from, uh, from Slovenia. And uh, now they are having a lot of conflict and people are, um, lots of local people are against it. Even though they were thinking people were ready to do it, maybe they weren't. And now uh, there is a lot of issues of uh, some problematic bear that are actually looking for food in villages. And uh, some of them were taken out by national parks and uh, by the police. So conflicts uh, between people and large predators, uh, I mean, the conflict is very difficult to deal with. And anytime we talk about reintroduction, we need to be prepared and to inform people on using empirical data. If you can be supported by science, then uh, you can really try to explain people the, the pros and the cons having uh, large predators back. Well, whatever about wolves, uh, you can well imagine the reaction we might get if someone was to attempt to introduce the brown bear to Connemara, for example. Uh, but back to the subject of wolves, um, Orla, uh, this debate was actually mentioned in a doll question just last month. Uh, it was one of the last questions put in by Mick Wallace before he headed off to take his seat in Europe. Uh, you've been looking at what the minister had to say uh, in response to Mick's question. Yeah, so Mick was asking the minister responsible for national parks, that's Josefa Madigan, whether the government would consider a feasibility study on the reintroduction of wolves based on criteria set down by the International Union for Conservation of Nature, which, as you may have guessed, is a massive international organisation focusing on sustainability and conservation. The minister began her response by assuring us that her department has no plans to reintroduce wolves to Ireland. She went on to say that in order for the reintroduction of a species to be considered, the IUCN's own criteria state that there should be strong evidence that the threats that caused any previous extinction have been removed. And as the wolves' downfall in Ireland was brought about by things like deforestation, expansion of farmland and persecution, she said any feasibility study would likely fall at the first hurdle. And what did Mick Wallace make of that response? Well, this was a written doll question, so there was no response on the record. But one of Mick's staff told us that they were disappointed the minister was so quick to dismiss a possible study on this. Irish society has changed significantly in the last 250 years, he said. And the population, too, is about half what it was at the end of the 18th century when we last had wolves here. He pointed out that there had been many benign recorded sightings of wolves in Irish towns and cities prior to their extinction. Madigan's department, he said, shouldn't prejudge any study on this. Basically, he said, we'll never know if reintroducing wolves is a possibility until we carry out a feasibility report. Uh, And on that note, uh, is it now time to fire up the great 2029 forecasting machine? It is indeed the moment we've been waiting for. Uh, And it has been wheeled into the studio here um, in the last few minutes. And so just to to set the scene a bit, it's... um, 
if you've ever seen the film The Princess Bride, it's similar enough to uh, the machine, the, the torture machine uh, that was used in the pit. But of, nobody is tortured with the machine. Uh, no, not with this, in this instance. Not with this specific machine. Just to clarify. Uh, but, but it's similar to the machine that was used in the film. There's there's a lot of suction cups. Yeah. There's a, a lot of tubes. There's a lot of steam-powered dials mm, and that sort of thing. polished. It's looking well. Yeah. Um, and uh, Orla, you're obviously more across this sort of thing than I am. I, I haven't actually used this this machine before. So uh, where do I put the, the ideas or what do I do? It's a bit intimidating at first, but don't worry about it. Just basically get all the ideas and information mm. we have heard and throw them in the top. Okay, just up the top up there. Up the top. And then this is the switch. The the red one, not the, not the blue one. The red okay. One. The red one. Okay, here we go. Watch your eyes. Okay, so it's working. It's magic there and it's processing. All right, so we have the result printed out. What is the machine telling us? And the verdict on this is unlikely to happen. Well, that's not really surprising, is it, based on what we've heard? Obviously, the whole point of the series is looking at ideas that can realistically be implemented in Ireland in the next 10 years. And that's just not enough time to bring something like this to fruition. Yeah, when it comes down to it, uh, this may well be a great idea from a biodiversity point of view. But even on that score, there's, as we've heard from our contributors, a ton of detailed work that needs to be done to establish the effect wolves might have on the environment, starting with uh, a proper system of counting and tracking our deer population. Uh, There's the cost to consider, as we heard from Dan. And we need to ask whether right now it would be even fair to the wolves themselves. The state is planning to plant more forests in the coming decades, but at the moment there's very little cover. And of course, the threat from humans is ever present. Yeah, and there's also the public's reaction to consider. As we've heard, it took decades in Yellowstone between this proposal being raised and it being brought finally to fruition in the 90s. And Yellowstone is a vast wilderness that dwarfs any of our six national parks. And as we heard there when speaking about the reintroduction of brown bears in the Alps, Simone noted that despite years of consultation with the public and the holding of events to prepare people for bears coming back, there was still a huge conflict when it happened. Bears ended up looking for food in villages and park rangers and police officers ended up shooting some of them. So even with the best of intentions and planning, reintroducing a wild animal to an area often doesn't work out as hoped. Yeah, we're years away from this being discussed as a serious proposal. Human conflict with wolves is the main obstacle and it's a massive one. But I'd be inclined to agree with Mick Wallace in that we shouldn't prejudge what any proper study on this might find out. Yeah, I mean, why not look into it? And if there's a debate to be had, let's have it. Let's. Thanks for listening to the eighth episode in this 10-part series on Ireland 2029. This episode was brought to you by presenter Dara Brophy, series producer Orla Ryan and executive producer Christine Bohan. And it was edited by Dara Brophy and Nikki Ryan. Thanks to Paula Lyne and to our contributors in this week's episode. Ireland 2029 is a podcast from the journal.ie supported by Volkswagen. It's time for electric cars for the people. Discover the future of electric mobility with the Volkswagen ID family at Volkswagen.ie.